Uh, God is on the move. Uh, had a chance to meet with a, a family this week who are unchurched people. And uh, they are reflecting on uh, the reality of eternity and had a chance to share the gospel with them this week. And, and uh, what a privilege. As I sat there, I said, you know, it's a miracle that I'm, I'm sitting here. Just a miracle. God loves you so much that he, he's brought me here to share this wonderful message uh, with you. God is at work. He's stirring people's lives. He's, he's ordering footsteps. He's organizing things that he would be honored and glorified. He'd be lifted up. I hope and trust that you're having a, a wonderful summer and that you are being refreshed uh, this summer as we move into uh, the long winter season up here in northern Alberta. Uh, yes, right. Too early to talk about it. Although my wife pointed out just the other day that some of the leaves around the property are starting to change already. And I thought, oh, man. The only good news about that is uh, I love hunting, and hunting's coming around the corner. And so I love getting out there and camping and all those different things. D.L. Moody, the famous evangelist, listen to this. A hundred years ago, he said this. I believe that the Sabbath question today, 100 years ago, I believe that the Sabbath question today is, as, is a vital one for the whole country. It is the burning question of the present time. If you give up the Sabbath, the church goes. He said this 100 years ago. If you give up the church, the home goes. If you give up the home, the nation goes. That is the direction in which we are heading. What prophetic words that he spoke a hundred years ago. The question of the Sabbath. You know, Lynn and I have been talking much about Sabbath and rest and proper rest. Uh, the denomination encouraged us to take a, a retreat as a family in Vernon, B.C. As we were driving down there, we were talking about rest. And I'm so thankful that the denomination encouraged and also provided that we could do this. And as we were driving down there, my wife had a book by Mark Buchanan on the rest of God, Finding Sabbath. And so Lynn is reading this, and we're talking a little bit about it, and immediately I get a little bit defensive. I, 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 I have uh, grew, grew up and served and went to a Bible college that talked about Sabbath and had all kinds of rules and I was quick to say, I don't want to be legalistic about Sabbath. We live in a new day. We live in the day of Christ. And, and as we talked about it, what is a Sabbath? What is rest? What is leisure? This is one of the lessons that Jesus is teaching me and my family. As we arrived at the uh, retreat center, I, this is in uh, May. The first two days, I slept so much. I had no idea how tired I was, no idea, and how it was affecting my family, how it was affecting me and my walk with the Lord. And so Lynn and I, we covenanted that we would, we would figure this out, that we wouldn't be legalistic, but that we would learn and understand the heart of God on the Sabbath, and that's what I would like to share with you here this morning. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be bouncing around in all kinds of scriptures. I always encourage you to bring your Bible. 
so important that you, you can just write some notes and that you'll have opportunity to, uh, uh, to reflect on it as God speaks to you. So please bring your Bibles. If you have them, please turn with me to the book of Mark, the Gospel of Mark. We're going to read this and then uh, pray and then bounce around some scriptures here. Mark chapter 2, verse 23. Hear now from God's Word as recorded by Mark, one of his disciples. One Sabbath he was going through the grain fields. And as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. The Pharisees were saying to him, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? He said to them, Have you never heard what David did? When he was in need and was hungry, he and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God in the time of Arabatha, the high priest, and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priests to eat, and also gave it to those who were with him. And then he said to them, The Sabbath was for man, not man for the Sabbath. And so the Son of Man is the Lord, even of the Sabbath. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the truth of your word here this morning. I pray that you would bless us as we dive into this conversation. Father, this is countercultural. Our society encourages us to run and never stop. Uh, we feel guilty when we take uh, some time to rest. Some time to make space for you, Lord. We are quick to feel guilty. And yet you are the Lord of the Sabbath. And you gave us rest. Help us, Lord. Help us to understand, we pray this morning. Help us to be attentive to your word and your heartbeat. Help us to walk and step with you. Speak, Lord, for, for your servants are listening. For you are our Father and you love us dearly. You, you want us to walk in the freedom that only Jesus Christ the Lord offers through the sacrifice on the cross of Calvary for each one of us. It's in his precious name we pray. Amen. As I've been considering the Sabbath since May and what it looks like for me and for our household. You start to reflect on where does the Sabbath come from? Where are these principles found in the Scriptures? As you do a, a kind of an overview of uh, the, the Scriptures, you will see that the Sabbath is found throughout. It is in Genesis chapter 2 that, that the Sabbath is first established at the end of creation. You see, God creates each day, and there was evening and there was morning this first day. And then there was evening and there was morning the second day. And then there was evening and morning the third day and so on and so on. And yet on the seventh day, it says in chapter 2 verse 2, it says that on the seventh day God finished his work that he had done and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. Now make no mistake, God wasn't tired he wasn't tired. It wasn't like, you know, at the end of the week of all that he created, he kind of, you know, you know, wiped his brow and went, whoo, I'm exhausted. I, I need a break. No, 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 no. That's not God. But God was establishing a principle right from the very beginning. It was a principle of rest. That's what Sabbath means. Rest from labor. Rest from work. 
It's first mentioned in, in chapter 2. This is the first time where, where we start to see a pattern that God is establishing for his people. Now, also remember this, that this is imperfection. This is imperfection. The world hadn't fallen yet. It was good. No more than that, it was very good. And God, he, he takes a rest from work, establishing a principle that we too can rest. Now, there's an interesting note that we should notice here in Genesis chapter 2. You see, every day, this mentioning at the end of the day that it was evening and morning the second day, or it was evening and morning the third day. But at the conclusion of the seventh day, it doesn't say that. It's the first time that that, that rep repetition isn't used. Why? Except that. Except that God would have us rest in him. In a sense, the rest never ends. In a sense, it never ends. There was no completion in that sense. Rather, we can rest in him. This principle of resting on the seventh day is set throughout all of Scripture Actually, before Exodus 20, where, where Moses comes down and, and declares the law to the people, it's established once again in Exodus chapter 16. Moses says to the people, when he's led the people out to the promised land, they're in the desert. It's during this time that they're in the desert, and God is miraculously providing for them both manna and water and quail. It's during this time that this principle is again established and, and God says to, to, uh, through Moses, he says, listen, this is what the Lord has commanded. Tomorrow is a day of solemn rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Therefore, bake what you will bake and boil what you will boil. And all that is left over, lay aside to be kept till the morning. Well, this is an important principle because, because if they collected too much any other day, it, it went bad. And the stench of their lack of trust would reek throughout all the camp. But here on the Sabbath, God made provision so that the people could rest. And so prior to the Sabbath, the people were encouraged, bake a little extra to take care of the Sabbath so you can rest. Prepare a little extra so you can find rest. And then, later on, God establishes in the Ten Commandments, the principle of the Sabbath. He sets it up. And he says, make it holy. Set it apart. Make it a day of rest. A day for me. Exodus chapter 20. The law is established. And we are to remember the Sabbath. And we are to keep it holy. That's what he says. And yet... Yet the people of Israel struggled with this. Throughout history, the Jewish people constantly put aside the Sabbath, or they perverted it in one way or another, adding extreme measures to the Sabbath, and it constantly had to be reclaimed. What the intent and the heartbeat of the Sabbath is. In Isaiah 56, listen here what the prophet says. Blessed is the man who does this, who keeps the Sabbath. Not profaning it keeps his hands from doing evil. So those who are a part of the, the, the heritage of Israel, blessed, happy, find rest. But not just them, the foreigner who's joined himself to the Lord. Let them also surely 
be, uh, keep the Sabbath. The eunuch as well. Behold, I am a dry tree, the eunuch says. But thus says the Lord, the eunuch who keeps my Sabbath, who chooses the things that pleases me and hold fast to my covenant. These are the priorities and the heartbeat of God. And yet, and yet the people of God continually mistreated, misunderstood, and messed up the Sabbath. As we jump into the New Testament, we will see time and again that Jesus, Jesus pushed back on the Jewish people of his day in regards to the Sabbath. Countless stories account uh, to the fact that Jesus was working on the Sabbath and drove the Pharisees and the religious leaders of the day nuts that he would do this. And he, he would do it in such a way that there was no mistake as to what the heartbeat of Jesus was. I, I think of the young blind man who, who Jesus goes up on the Sabbath, it says, and he spits on the ground and makes some clay and he puts it in the eyes of this blind man and then he says, now walk to the pool. Uh, he would have had to walk through the whole community. It was against the law to make clay on the Sabbath. And yet Jesus, Jesus makes clay on the Sabbath and displays, displays it to all people. Why? Because the Sabbath was perverted. And he washes in the pool and his eyes, his eyes become open. They pull him in and question him. And who it was who did this? How dare someone, someone heal on the Sabbath? All through the scriptures you see this battle. Jesus reaffirms every commandment to the scriptures, but he doesn't reaffirm the Sabbath. You heard it of Moses, that thou shalt not kill, but I say, if you hate someone in your heart, you're a murderer at heart. Uh, you heard in the scriptures that thou shalt not um, um, commit adultery, but if you look at a woman with lust, you are adulterous at heart. Every commandment Jesus reaffirms except the Sabbath. Why? And yet the Sabbath is so important. For as we've read in Mark chapter 2, that he is the Lord of the Sabbath. How, how do we under this, understand the Sabbath in our day? Look at Mark chapter 13. Let's take a close look at this and see what Jesus does. Now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. Behold, there was a woman who had a disabling spirit, spirit, I'm sorry, and for 18 years she was bent over and could not fully straighten herself. This, this unclean spirit was hindering this woman's ability to, to just function properly. And Jesus, he's teaching, he's teaching on, in the synagogue on the Sabbath. The text goes on to say that when Jesus saw her, he, he called her over and said to her, woman, you are freed from your disability. You are freed from the unclean spirit that is hampering your ability to stand upright. You're free. But the rulers, the rulers of the synagogue, indignant because of Jesus, because he had healed on the Sabbath, said to the people, there are six days in which work ought to be done. That's a little different than our culture, isn't it? We tend to do five. <laughs> There are six days in which we ought, uh, work ought to be done. Come on those days and be healed. <laughs> Not on the Sabbath. Uh, perversion of the heartbeat of God. 
a misalignment, a misappropriation of what God's intent is. They're angry. They're mad at Jesus because he healed a woman who for 18 years was slouched over because of an unclean spirit that was hampering her ability to stand upright. She should have come tomorrow. She, she should have been here yesterday. Today's not the day. It's the Sabbath. Jesus, he'll have none of that. He answers them, you hypocrites. You hypocrites. Strong language used in front of a crowd before leaders. You hypocrites. Does not each one of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to water it? Ought not this woman, a daughter of Abram, who Satan had bound for 18 years, be loosed from this bond, bound, I'm sorry, bond on the Sabbath day? And he said these things, all his adversaries were put to shame. All the people rejoiced at all the glorious things that were done by him. We see here that Jesus, in many ways, he pushes back on culture. And he does so with authority. Why? Because he's the Lord of the Sabbath. So how are we? How are we in our day to understand the heartbeat of Jesus for the Sabbath? What, what are we supposed to do? How are we to implement these things? You know, I was thinking about this and I was thinking, my kids will never remember a day where the gas stations, the grocery stores, and the restaurants were closed on Sunday. They, they'll never know a day like that. I, I grew up with that. I, I can remember when on Sunday our community was shut down with the exception of the odd gas station. We didn't have options. And so Sunday was a day for family, a day for the Lord, a day of rest, both physically and spiritually. I remember those days. And now, now Sunday is no different than any other day of the week in our culture. What does Jesus say to us? Are we running too hard? Are we missing the point we have the opposite problem, it seems to me. Uh, there is no rule. There is no, there is no aspirations for rest for us. No, we go gung-ho, and we, we look to leisure to be our, our fulfillment, our replenishing, our refreshing. We look to leisure to replace, dare I say, the Lord of the Sabbath. And our culture teaches that this is normative. That the best way to, to, to find rest is to be busy in a different way. <laughs> busy with leisure. Now make no mistake, I love leisure. <laughs> and I think it's important to physically rest and to change pace. I think it's important to make provision for leisure. And sometimes I think 
We are so busy that we don't even do that well. We, we sort of anticipate our holidays and we run hard knowing that, that we'll get a week or two weeks and we'll be able to recoup as we fill those two weeks with leisure. And in so doing, our leisure has replaced the Lord of the Sabbath. Leisure is important. But the heartbeat of God is that we find rest on a regular routine, that we make room for leisure, but more than that, we make room to hear from God. That we make room to hear from God. It's not about law. It's not about rules. It's more than that. It's about a person, the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Colossians Paul tries to unpack these things. In chapter 2, verse 16, as he speaks to the, the church, he says, let no one, let no one pass judgment on you in question of food and drink, or with regard to festivals or new moons or a Sabbath. It's not so much about the, the rules that we all need to abide by and, and the checklist that makes us feel good. It's not about that, no. No, no, Paul clearly states that, that we, we, we need to be careful that we don't judge one another in regards to the Sabbath or to food or festivals or the new moon. And we shouldn't let others judge us as well. In Romans 14, Paul addresses this again. Listen to what he says here in verse 1. As for the one who is weak in faith, notice, notice who he's talking about here. This is the one who's weak in faith. Young in the faith, young in understanding, welcome him. But do not quarrel over opinions. One person believes he may eat anything while the weak one eats only vegetables. <laughs> I thought that was kind of funny. <laughs> I like meat. <laughs> I'm not the weak one. <laughs> I'm glad you're laughing with me and I'm not in trouble. <laughs> he goes on to say in verse 5, No one person esteems one day as better than another. While another person esteems all days alike, each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes, observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats while... The one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. Notice at the core here, Paul draws the, the church of Rome to submission to the lordship of Jesus Christ. What is it are we to learn about all of this? As a family, as we've wrestled through this and what it means to to Sabbath, I go back to the opening scripture that we read, where the disciples are walking through the field, they're hungry, and they harvest some of the grain and eat it, it's the Sabbath. Uh, the Pharisees are disappointed more than that, they call into question who Jesus is, and what his mandate is. And they say, surely he can't be who he says he is, for if he were God, he wouldn't permit this. Uh, they've missed the mark. 
And so Jesus sternly replies to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Friends, how do you view a day of rest? For the longest time, it seemed like torture to me. Rules, rules that hindered me and stopped me from accomplishing the things that I needed to accomplish. What is Jesus saying here? He is saying that God has given us rest because we need it. See, it was very good when God created the Sabbath. Back in Genesis chapter 2, it was very good. Friends, are you taking a rhythm of rest? It's good for you. Why is it good for you? Well, one, physically, I think you need it. I think we've been designed that way. Two, I, I, I think when we make provision for rest, we, we enjoy those around us more. As a family, we've been trying to practice a, a Sabbath of sorts. We don't call it a Sabbath per se, but a day of rest. We, we've been trying to start in the evening of one night and go to supper the next night. And I didn't realize how much discipline this requires. I sit on the back deck and I notice the grass is far too long. <laughs> and I want to get after that and I feel guilty. <laughs> I see the broken uh, fence, and I think, i got to get that fixed. We always take a walk through the garden. That's what we've been doing this summer, and we notice the weeds. <laughs> we've got to get to those. But today, today's a guilt-free day of rest. Not today. Maybe tomorrow. God will provide. Oh, but I'm lazy. No. No, God is sufficient. He's my Father. He loves me. And He's made a day of rest for me. Things constantly calling us. Distracting us. What we've noticed, or what I've noticed, is as we've slowed down as a family, I've had more time to throw the ball around with the boys. More time to run and, and to play hide-and-seek or man-tracker. More time to enjoy them. Not constantly being distracted and pulled away by the things of work that constantly call my attention. It's been good. I try to take time for the Lord as well. And, and so we just sit and we've got lots of time to just read and pray and journal and allow the Lord to speak. To share that He is the Lord of the Sabbath. And rest is good. Both physically and spiritually as the Lord affirms and says, I got you covered. I am faithful. I am more than enough. You can rest in me guilt-free. I love it. I love it. He is the Lord of the Sabbath. See, nothing is complete without Jesus. You see, he is the author and the completer, the beginning and the end. That's what revelations in Hebrews declare. Everything exists because of him. And everything is missing something without him. 
And not just missing something, but the central thing, the thing that supplies true meaning and purpose to all things. That's what the Bible means when it says that it is it says of Jesus, for from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. This applies to everything. Everything is this applies for. The Old Testament law. Jesus came to not to abolish the law, says Matthew 5, but to fulfill the law and the prophets is why he came. In other words, the Old Testament law was incomplete apart from Jesus. So when we say, set apart the Sabbath and make it holy, friends, apart from Jesus, there is no true rest. Friends, apart from Jesus, leisure just physically helps us. Friends, apart from Jesus, there is no Sabbath. Friends, would you, would you determine to take some time as soon as possible and say, Lord, I am burning out. I need a rest. Lord, change my thinking. Help me to understand my culture. I have blind spots. You can transform my mind. Help me, Lord. And may we be a different people, not because we have to, but because we can. Because we can. Because that's why Jesus died on the cross. That's why he is risen. He has come to set us free. More than that, he's come to refresh us, to strengthen us. And in so doing, as we look forward to the week ahead, our posture is different because we start from a day of rest. Instead of the monotony of work, friends, he is the Lord of the Sabbath. It's all about Jesus. Jesus has come to give us the rest we desperately need, and we can truly learn to rest in him and to enter into a rhythm of life where, where we find the rest that we need. We find the spiritual rest that we long for. Friends, was D.L. Moody right? As we started out saying, the most important question that we are dealing with a hundred years ago is the Sabbath. Because if you lose the Sabbath, you lose the church. If you lose the church, you lose the family. You lose the family, you lose the nation. Where are we, friends? Where are we this day? May we, the church, rise up and learn to rest in what Jesus Christ did on the cross. May we learn to be refreshed by the presence, the manifest presence of Jesus Christ and the power of the resurrection. And from that posture, may we seek to serve him. A posture of rest versus a posture of fear and condemnation and guilt. Oh, may we learn to rest, for he is the Lord of the Sabbath. And he gave us rest because we need it. Let's stand together. Friends, we're in the heart of summer. This is a question I've been wrestling with. Our series this summer has been lessons from Jesus. Uh, make no mistake, I haven't got this all figured out. I don't. It's a journey for me, for my wife, for our family. But I believe it's an important question we need to ask. We need to ask ourselves. 
We need to ask our family, if we're in a family context, what's our rhythm? What would God have us to do? Are we making space for rest? Are we making space to, to hear from the Lord? Are we making space to walk closer with Him? Are we serving out of a place of health? Or are we serving out of a place, place of exhaustion? Where are you this day? What action, what steps is God calling you to? Maybe, maybe it's taking some time this afternoon just to be still. Turn off the TV. You know, find a quiet place. Get a pen and paper and, and just write down what the Lord is saying. And maybe at first you won't hear anything. The static from the world will crowd out the voice of Jesus. Sit longer. Need be put on some worship music to focus your attention. What is the Lord calling you to do? Now, maybe it's a family meeting that needs to happen. It's gone far too long. And you need to slow down and talk as a family and say, this is, this is not healthy. We need to change our rhythm. We want to walk in line with him. What's the Lord saying? A.B. Simpson said, theology without application is futility. I trust, I trust that the Lord is speaking to you this day. And that you're finding a rhythm with him, or you will seek to if you haven't and you're out of balance. And so, Lord, we come to you. And with Martin Luther, we say spiritual rest, which is God's particular intent in the commandment of the Sabbath. Help us, we pray, not only to cease from our labor and trade, but much more, that we would let God alone work in us and that we would do nothing of our own with all our powers. May it be so, we pray. As we come to the table, as we come to remember what Christ has done, isn't that what rest is all about? We don't come to the table because we've performed or we got it all together. We come because the work of Christ is finished at the cross. We come to remember what he has done. And truly, our posture is rest. This is your table. And we thank you for the reminder. In Jesus' name.